Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. What I'd like to talk about this morning is not right speech or right listening or right thinking directly, but is about something foundational to our practice, which, if cultivated, will naturally foster the expression within the precepts of these three aspects of our behavior. If the foundation of our practice is sound, then that which flows from it and is built upon it will be grounded and built upon something of substance and not upon something that is shaky or unclear. Suppose there were a wave, a mighty wave, of which I was aware, born of a great sea. They came upon the shore, and all that it encountered, every grain of sand, every pebble, and every creature, gave up its identity to the wave and became part of the wave, adding to its size. And flowing beyond its shore, it continued to grow, consuming hills and forests and all manner of material form and all manner of immaterial form, thoughts, ideas, emotions, etc. And as it flowed out over the land, claiming all as its own, it grew and grew, 10 feet tall, 20 feet, 50 feet, 100 feet. And should I hear its roar in the distance and know that it was approaching and knew, therefore, that time was of the essence, at that moment, what would I wish to say to you? Would I wish to speak of things that are of interest today but were of little interest yesterday and likely to lose their interest tomorrow? The coming and going of people and things the coming and going of ideas and of ideas about ideas, or views, or views of views. I would not, because of a greater matter that was upon us both, upon you and upon me as well. But not hearing the roar, or not knowing what it was, if heard, or because of denying its reality or proximity, if heard and understood, you might, as we can easily do when great matters are before us, choose to put it aside for another time, and instead take up lesser things that call to us and which occupy us until something else takes its place. But I hope I would say, no, there is something you should know. There is that which approaches, the great wave, that will without doubt be upon us and take us all unto itself. And should I know a way to keep you from perishing, I would try to tell it to you. This wave, 
about which I have spoken, which consumes all in its path, and which I have created in your imaginations, is not in fact a thing of imagination, but is real. It is a fundamental aspect of reality itself. It is unstoppable, unrelenting. You are not special to it. You can make no deals with it. And it is even mightier than I have described. Great mountains are but as grains of sand in its churning foam. This unstoppable wave is the reality of the truth of impermanence. Its roar cannot be denied. Can you not hear it, really, honestly? Do you not really know its meaning? Show me something that it will not, con that it will not consume. It gobbles up suns and galaxies. Do you think you can escape it? Surely you do, not, you do not imagine that you will not be taken by its waters. As this is so, and as indeed in our hearts we know it to be true, that this is the nature of things, I do not wish to talk about the comings and goings of people and things, or of ideas, or ideas about ideas, or of views, or of views of views. I wish to talk about this great matter, and how to meet it, how is it possible to not perish before it. First, do not fight it. Do not deny it. What is it that fights or denies it? What is it that fears it? What is it that sees it as a threatening other? It is, of course, ourselves. Ourselves that perceive argue and convince us that we as individuals are separate from the rest of all that is. I am I and you are you. The apparent separation that exists between us and between us and all that is so convincingly not us is profound. The depth of alienation is the deepest of human sufferings and our attempts to bridge the gap unify with any form of other is at best partial. Union is possible, but it is not the result of the actions of the separate self, and it is not the separate self that is united with anything. It may play a miraculous witnessing role to something that is on the one hand deeply awe-inspiring and on the other hand, completely natural, already existing, and appears on its own when we trust enough to simply sit and let go. This letting go is not pushing away. It's just not clinging to what arises. It's gently and repeatedly laying down of personal ideas and feelings and of personal efforts, and trusting that within the essence of our being, we already have what we are seeking. It's trusting in the principle of fundamental enlightenment enough that we accept and not reject what feels like a state of unknowing. And of course, this self, this actually remarkable feeling and experience that we all know so well,
is also gently and repeatedly laid down each time it arises. We give it a rest. Without judgment, it has a place and it also has its limitations. But as we know, this putting it down can be challenging. The self seems to be hardwired in certain ways so that it tends to react predictably when it is challenged or feels undervalued. This is part of our humanity. Who among us does not want to be valued? Yet the meditative act asks that we let go of the concept and feeling of personhood and of the measuring of personal value. No person is required for just being to take place. However, I do not deny the feeling of personhood, nor do I not recognize that it has a role in life as we know it. But as we come to know ourselves to be more than this limited personhood, we take up the self on the plane of personhood in a way that is provisional rather than absolute as one might provisionally accept the parent reality of a reoccurring serial dream, knowing, because we have some understanding of what it means to be awake, that it is not all that it appears to be in the dream. In not clinging to ourselves and the personal value associated with ourselves, we have to be willing to be empty and not fear emptiness. Truly letting go of that which arises as we do in formal meditation shows us our willingness to be empty of all attributes and to not cling to the need to have human value. It's an expression of profound faith in a deeper source of value, perhaps not yet seen, and is a deep act of humility. It is being willing to let go of our concept of value and stand in the doorway of emptiness as a result of not only willingness to be nothing, but of our continuing beyond holding on to any distinctions such as nothingness whatsoever. In such a place, seeing and hearing does not cease. So what is it that sees and hears? And standing in the doorway of emptiness, if we can hold our course and endure the challenge of this place of unknowing, we are somehow moved through it to a new perspective, to a knowing of ourselves that includes a knowing of our inherent value that far exceeds the values associated with limited personhood. By being willing to sit in emptiness, by being willing to be nothing, we can gain the entire universe. It is as if the entire universe is laid at our feet, and you know that you never were, are not now, and never will be separate from it. How could its nature ever have been anything other than your own?
and with deep acceptance of things as they are, and with a new relationship with things as they are, there is now no real other against we can even have a fight. All acceptance is the key to the gateless gate. Acceptance, non-fighting, of things as they are allows a lightness of being that enables a rising up in the deepest of waters that life presents us, as opposed to clinging to heavy things at one's own peril. And keep in mind that in the spiritual sense, that which is heavy is not necessarily material. And if you maintain the practice of non-grasping, then the apprehension of undivided reality will not itself become a seed from which distinctions and separations will grow. You will simply carry on, entering life as it is, with a grateful heart at rest, but with nothing special that you need to drag around with you. And the plane of personhood can be entered into and engaged with, with all its complexities and challenges. And our human tools of intelligence and discernment can be used to recognize and lessen the suffering of this world. May we think, listen, and speak in such a way that does not create divisions where divisions need not be made. And may we not cement in necessary distinctions beyond their natural time. An empty heart is not empty. It is full of the deep joy of all existence because it clings not to any one aspect of existence over another. May we think, listen, and speak in such a way that we do not lose our lightness of being. If we do, then we will stand side by side with the bodhisattvas who work in the world exactly as it is, but see it as a beautiful garden in which they play. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha.